Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. This whole process is about trying to establish lines of communication, you know. It's about trying to take people by the hand and allow them to see the world through our eyes. That's the most productive way, you know. We need to be constructive and productive at times like this when things are so raw. That's Stan Grant speaking to us back in 2020 about how he hopes to overcome the systemic racism he and his people face every day here in Australia. But as we've seen with Aussies like Adam Goods and Yasmin Abdel-Magid, sometimes the hate gets too much and stepping away from the spotlight, the only solution. Today, we look at what happened to Stan Grant, how his employer handled a wave of racist trolling and how every Australian is part of the solution. But first, in news headlines for Thursday, May 25. After a long illness, one of the best-known voices of her time, Tina Turner, has passed away aged 83. In a career spanning more than 60 years, the US Swiss singer has sold more than 100 million records, won eight Grammys and has a star on both the Hollywood and St Louis Walk of Fame. Her autobiography was turned into a movie, What's Love Got to Do With It, in 1993, dramatising her violent relationship with her husband, Ike Turner. Turner remarried in 2013 and has lived in Switzerland since 1994. Turner had suffered from ill health in recent years, diagnosed with intestinal cancer in 2016 and requiring a kidney transplant in 2017, revealing that the man she would later marry donated one of his kidneys to help her. 95-year-old Claire Noland has died just hours after the police officer who tasered her was charged. Mrs Noland, who suffered from dementia, was using a walking frame when she was allegedly tasered by Senior Constable Christian White at the Yallanby Lodge Aged Care Facility in Cooma a week ago. She failed to follow a directive from the officers that she drop a steak knife she was holding and was advancing on them when she was tasered and fell, fracturing her skull. Senior Constable White, who's been stood down with pay while the the investigation continues, was just hours earlier charged with assault occasioning bodily harm and common assault, the former carrying a maximum penalty of 10 years behind bars. The charges may be upgraded in the wake of Mrs Nolan's death. There are accusations that the police who investigated the allegations that Bruce Lerman raped Brittany Higgin in Parliament House in 2019 were young and inexperienced. A senior police officer says the team that investigates sexual assault cases in the ACT is used as a training ground for budding detectives where investigators learn on the job and that they have minimal training in dealing with sexual assaults. But Australian Federal Police Detective Superintendent Scott Moller said despite this, they work very hard at their jobs and 
that he was proud they continued to investigate Mr Lerman, even though they believed there was not enough evidence to pursue the case. Mr Lerman denies the allegations. The case not reaching a verdict in court after jury misconduct meant they had to abandon the first trial and the second was cancelled before it began due to Miss Higgins' mental health decline. The Liberal MP who quit as the party's Indigenous Australian spokesperson after his party decided not to back the voice to Parliament has called on his coalition colleagues to back the proposal. Julian Lisa addressed concerns being held over the voice's structure and influence, saying it is advisory, not Moses handing down tablets from the mountain, saying Parliament will still be the democratic centre of our democratic life. He went on to explain that the voice would not create two classes of Australians, but rather will help eliminate the differences that currently separate Indigenous Australians from others. After another late night sitting on the details of the upcoming referendum, the lower house will continue debating its final form today. Police have deployed heavy machinery and sniffer dogs on the second day of searching a reservoir in Portugal, looking for the remains of missing British girl Madeleine McCann. Dozens of officers scoured the reservoir's shoreline and hill above the water. A local newspaper reporting that German Federal Criminal Police advised local authorities to search the area on a tip-off from an informant who they consider very credible and who provided details that officers are taking very seriously. A German prosecutor said the information did not not come from the only suspect in the case, Christian Bruckner, who's in prison in Germany. Madeleine McCann went missing from the resort where she was staying with her family in 2007. The reservoir being searched is 50 kilometres from that location. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia! is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia! subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. Stan Grant says he always dreamed of being a journalist. After school, while working for the Australian Institute for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies in Canberra, he met Marsha Langton, now a prominent academic, who encouraged him to go to uni and follow his dreams. After graduating, he was offered a cadetship at the Macquarie Radio Network, soon moving on to become the ABC's political correspondent. As his reputation as a journalist grew, he was picked up by Channel 7, becoming the country's first Indigenous host of an Australian primetime commercial TV show, Behind the Desk, at Real Time, a current affairs program. Despite winning a Logie for the role, Real Life was cancelled in 1994, soon replaced by Today Tonight, which launched in January 1995, with Grant again returning to hosting duties in 1999. As his profile grew as did the pressure on Grant to be a role model for other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, a role he says he was initially uncomfortable with, understanding his privilege and how that would come across to someone in prison or in a school in a struggling community. He admits he avoided reporting on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander stories for both moral and professional reasons, not wanting to be typecast as an Indigenous affairs reporter only. 
In his 30-year career, he has stood between warring Catholics and Protestants fighting in Northern Ireland, where he was hit with bricks and beer bottles. He's covered major events across Papua New Guinea and was there when Hong Kong was handed back to Chinese rule from Britain. But it would be his affair with fellow Channel 7 personality Tracy Holmes that would drive the pair not just out of their jobs, but out of the country. I was told at work, look, um, we all like Stan. Stan's a nice guy, but you can't live with him because they're not like us. They're not like us. And I actually didn't know what they were talking about. I said, who's they? That's Tracy speaking to the ABC's Just Between Us program. The affair and the racist lens through which it was reported in the media, seeing as Grant left his wife Carla, who is also Aboriginal for a white woman, is still thrown at them today. This quote from the comments section under his recent farewell speech on the Q&A Twitter account. Get over it, Stan. You're half white. You left your Aboriginal wife for a white South African woman and because of colonialism, you got to be born, educated and had the same opportunities as all of us. You're not special, Stan. A bit of gratitude never hurts. When Grant and Holmes returned to Australia after 14 years living in Asia, he realised that representing Aboriginal people would become part of his life's work. He partnered with AFL legend Adam Goods, who'd been subject to racist boos every game he played after doing a warrior dance on scoring a goal. Goods, similarly to what Grant is experiencing now, left the game with no fanfare or farewell and to this day does not work with the AFL. Grant gave this viral speech after they made the Adam Goods documentary together. I can't speak for what lay in the hearts of the people who booed Adam Goods, but I can tell you what we heard when we heard those boos. We heard a sound that was very familiar to us. We heard a howl. We heard a howl of humiliation that echoes across two centuries of dispossession, injustice, suffering and survival. And it said to us again, you're not welcome. When asked on SBS's Viceland why he felt now was the time to start becoming a voice for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, Grant explained how it was time to change the narrative around the community. I'm really tired of the story of us as the victim, as if we are always the people being done unto and not the people doing. A recent Media Diversity Australia report, which investigated online abuse and safety of journalists, found that they are subject to relentless racist abuse. Many who contributed to the report said they'd been told that to be a journalist, you're asking for that kind of abuse, so you just have to cop it. Another said they didn't say anything because they didn't want people to think they couldn't handle their job. Despite the continual abuse, Stan Grant took on the job as host of the ABC's Q&A program, a role that saw previous host Hamish MacDonald leave shortly after taking over, saying the trolling was overwhelming, becoming something he couldn't manage on his own, choosing to leave to get away from it. When journalist and diversity advocate Antoinette Latouf appeared on the Q&A panel, she says when Grant mentioned that people like she and him were still rare on Australian TV screens, both were attacked online. She says that it wasn't just from Twitter trolls either, it was hate blogs and tabloid press coverage too. The straw that broke Stan Grant's back was after he was asked to appear on the panel for the coronation of King Charles. He spoke of how the Crown still represented invasion and the theft of Aboriginal land. 
But for some, this wasn't the time or place to discuss that. He shouldn't have been put on this panel in the first place. He could have had a special show delving into the history of the British Empire and all the terrible things they've done, all the terrible things the monarchy's done. And again, there are plenty of them, as I've said. But the idea that you would do that when you've got a whole bunch of people who are just tuning in because they quite like the monarchy or at least are interested in it and want to see the coronation is just ridiculous. The racism and trolling that followed has become too much for Grant to handle, leading him to leave Q&A. The veteran journalist calling out ABC executives for not denying the lies that were spreading about him or for actively pushing back on racist trolling. If your aim was to hurt me, well, you've succeeded. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I must have given you so much cause to hate me so much to target me and my family to make threats against me. I'm sorry. And that's what Yinjimara means. It means that I'm not just responsible for what I do, but for what you do. It's not just a word. But even this speech has attracted racism and hatred. The comments sections again filled with angry people. Never seen anything vaguely like love coming Tried from Tried your Steve. hardest to divide us and make us believe how underprivileged Clearly, and the down... King should apologise for being crowned it's on It's all the love in your heart day. overflowing during the coronation. You we hold no, no time for race pimps who play yes, the victim card when it backfires melodramatic on reach. It must get tiring for Stan having to carry all that victimhood every day. Noreen Young is Professor for Indigenous Policy at the University of Technology, Sydney's Jumbana Institute for Indigenous Education and Research. Noreen, we seem to be in this seemingly constant cycle of someone calling out racism, only to be met with a wall of defensive people saying they aren't racist and Australia isn't a racist country until there's another incident and it happens all over again. Is there any sign that we're making any break from this continual spiral of accusation and defence? Such a good question, Claire. And this one has really gone to the bone, I think, for a lot of First Nations people. Every time it happens, you hope that this will be the cycle breakup, right? I have had a little look just once on Twitter to see the kind of things that Stan endures, and it's just terrific. Dan gave a talk last night where he said it's directed at his partner, Tracy, his kids, his mum and dad, who I've met Stan Grant Senior, his dad a couple of times. They're old people. So I hope we can use this one, Claire, to really think why does anyone need to be mean to anyone else? I think that all anti-racism or wokeness is, I suppose, is seeking that people behave with manners. If you look on Twitter, what you see is that there's a whole lot of people who call Stan Tan Grant and go on interminably about his skin colour because it seems to me that there are parts of non-Indigenous Australia that are obsessed with our skin colour. I don't know why. I don't know what purpose it serves and I am really hoping that this time we can crack it, that it gives to some thought and some reflection. Why does anyone need to be mean to anyone else? I don't understand it. Were we kind of expecting this to escalate this year with all of the discourse around the voice to parliament? Yes, but... I, like others, had hoped that it would be bipartisan. 
the actual architects of The Voice have come from the conservative side of politics over a long period. And so I think a lot of us assumed that both the government and the opposition would finally come in and it would be a no-brainer, really. So it's much more vicious and vitriolic than even I thought it would be. And I think the notion of the actual opposition leader of the country getting up and saying the kinds of things that he has gives those races, those people, licence to say these kinds of things. The voice is such an opportunity to right wrongs, to heal this place. As Stan said in his talk on Monday night, this beautiful place is crying out. It is a place of love. The voice is such an opportunity and it's already hurting people so much. Now, when you use the term racists, I know a lot of people will create a vision in their mind of who they believe a racist is whether that's someone who's from the sort of far right and this rise of, say, Nazism and the conservative, you know, commentators and certain politicians. But I know Luke Pearson wrote about this on Indigenous X about just who is racist and that doesn't mean someone who's overtly racist, right? And this is the same thing as trying to explain to people what systemic racism is, that it's not overtly saying mean things to your face. It can also mean just well-meaning people, and Luke Pearson puts it in this way, that don't know the difference between assimilation and power, justice and charity. Can you just explain what that means? Luke's such a good writer. I suppose it comes down to this. For Indigenous people, we are the subject of such discussion and the systems that have been built around this country have excluded us. So the law, education systems, workplace systems, my area of policy is workplaces, they systemically or by their very existence exclude the notion of indigeneity and Indigenous people. And in some cases, like the police, for example, and we saw the police man who assaulted the young Aboriginal boy in Surrey Hills a couple of years ago, be charged for his behaviour. That's systemic racism. That child, and it was a child, was doing nothing except standing in the street and was assaulted by a police person. None of us would want that to happen to their child. That is cruelty of the highest order. Why would you do that to a child? So it's the system and was the system built in this place, in, a, in this country that we share with any notion of the existence of Indigenous people or does it behave in a way that is racist towards Indigenous people? Well, I don't think anyone could argue that a kid standing on the street and being arrested just for standing there is anything but racist. So it is difficult to explain. The well-meaning stuff, I think, isn't anyone's fault. It goes very much to how Aboriginal people have been seen since the day of colonisation, and that is as inferior, as needing help, as needing to assimilate and integrate. And what the voice does is give us that dignity back and the constitutional recognition of being a sophisticated, unique society that existed here perfectly happily for 65,000 years. And that's all the voice does. 
there's going to be quite a few people who might get shocked by Stan Grant's comments about the ABC executives not backing him up, not coming out and defending him from the onslaught of negativity that he got after comments made during the coronation broadcast. There's going to be people who think, hang on, the ABC is, you know, is not racist. You know, they have quite a diverse employees that they are known to be quite, you know, lefty. But is that where the problems kind of come in too, is that we have this expectation that just not being racist is enough but being anti-racist actually is the step we should all be taking now? Well, I think it comes down to this. You expect your employer to back you, right? <laughs> doesn't matter who it is and in what situation. We expect our employer to back us. And if we're under a barrage of social media and other kinds of attack, then we expect our employer to back us. Now, it's meant a lot for me, this one, because it happens to me. I go on the drum. I've been thinking about whether I continue to do it anymore. And for saying fairly innocuous things, I just get a barrage, right? And people email just where our emails are on our website for the university. So people email me really horrible, insulting things. One gentleman emailed me from his work address to tell me how stupid I was and, you know, what a stupid Aborigine I am. So I don't think well-meaning, nice, decent, non-Indigenous people have any understanding as to what Aboriginal people cop. I'm hoping what this period can do is build allyship, build understanding and therefore allyship, get people to understand what happens. They don't do it, but people do it all the time, all the time. If we see this happening... Is it appropriate to call those people out and engage those people in conversation in defence of the person who's being targeted at the risk of escalating it and potentially making the situation worse? What's the best way, in your opinion, from those people who are white in this country to start tackling these things and being actively anti-racist? I think I call it out. But B, say something to the person who's the subject of it. So if you see a retail worker following a visibly Aboriginal person around a shop, which is one of the things that happens all the time, or an Aboriginal person gets asked to open their bag when the non-visibly looking Aboriginal person behind them hasn't been, and that person says something, say something to back us up. It makes you feel validated and good when someone backs us up, right? Call it out in the workplace. It's where every bit of data and research we have says that it plays out. You know, it stops people from working. People leave workplaces all the time because of it. So what kind of country do we want this to be? Do we want it to be a place where people don't feel good? No, we don't. And that's what racism does. It's deaths in custody, the level of incarceration, exclusion from the education system. That's what systemic racism is. It's constantly hurtful. So pull it out. Please be part of the change. Where Stan Grant and his family will go now to get away from the hate is unknown. But we can do something to ensure that we stop something like this from happening again. Well, when he spoke to his people, to our people, 
and he said so in such a heartfelt way, I have just tried to represent us the best I can. I begin to think how we can help Stan is begin to think what it all means. Why should anyone be harassed like this? We're entitled to have different opinions and we should, including among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, but nobody should be harassed because of their race or their gender or their skin colour or their identity. What he said about the monarchy isn't an opinion limited to First Nations people. On the white side of my family, I was raised by lifelong Republicans and he's entitled to express a view that the king represents the beginning of incredible hurt and trauma and oppression for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So I think the gift that we can take out of this period and what we can give to Stan is to really think about how we behave and what we do, to think about hurting other people by accident or by misdeed, why anyone would want to do that. And as Stan says, and I agree with this, he loves this place. We want it to be better and we want the core of that to be recognition of the culture that was here and respect for the culture that was here for 65,000 years. Please walk on the journey with us and make that the gift to Stan and to all of us. To my people, I have always wanted to represent you with pride. I know I might disappoint you sometimes, but in my own little way, I've just wanted to make us seen. And I'm sorry that I can't do that for a little while. To my family, I love you. And to my mum and dad, Bhavadil Baradri, Gibi, Adiramatalinya, Bhavadil Baradri, Mandangu. Good night. Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.